So, Bobby, mm. does the podcast feel like we're just, we're like going to work every week now? You're like, are you looking forward to this or are you just like uh, dragging out of bed, trying to, <laughs> you know, wishing that you'd grown up drinking coffee or something that would, oh, I, I see you've got your uh, Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar with you. I do. I do have my Dr. Is that a, Pepper. Is that a bonafide... Uh, Energy drink, Dr. Pepper, going to wake you up, and cream soda, zero sugar. Does it have caffeine in it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. Not like energy drinks do. Perfect. Energy drinks have two forty or sometimes three hundred milligrams of caffeine. This, I'm not sure how this ha- how much this has. I could try to find out. Reading all this small print, but no, I uh, I don't think that this is a chore. If that's maybe, what I'm you're having asking. a mid mid podcast crisis. I think what it is... Like, oh, man, I have to get up and try to play nice for all the listeners, try to act like I'm interested. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I think what it is is that it can get... It can get genuinely, like, depressing to follow along the, the, uh, the, the controlled demolition of Western civilization. So, so subconsciously I'm going, what are we going to talk about today? And I'm all, and my subconscious mind goes, well, it's bad. It's been bad for a while. I mean, we could have a, we could have a good news episode where maybe we talk about like. The um, good news? Puppy adoptions are up at the local puppy shelter. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm just thinking that. So you're thinking like, maybe we should just be like, what's the good news today? I don't know if we want well, to do it today. Or I don't we, know if uh, I can do that. I don't know if I'm like uh, constitutionally capable of that for for an hour or two just to talk about good news. Yeah, it gets. Yeah, I think um, I think we just need to keep talking about the the demise of of our uh, no. I'm our not way saying we, I'm not saying that we need to do that. It's just <laughs> like I don't know if I'm capable. I, we you know we when we set out on this uh, podcast endeavor we wanted to talk that word more uh philosophical about certain things right well that was going to be part of our thing was philosophy and i think we've done a good job of kind of meeting that expectation for ourselves it's it's you know we we talk a lot about current events is today our podcast companionship inventory Today is Monday, June. It better not be because that's 27th. a banned word from the podcast. Monday, June twenty seventh is today, and no, this is not a companionship okay, inventory. <laughs> really, what we need is oh. feedback. We need feedback from the listeners. We know that some of you are out there who have never chimed in via comments or something. So leave a comment. Tell us: is it a chore to listen? If it is, you've probably given up on us and aren't. I don't listening. know. I think there's a lot of really stubborn people out there. Well, there are. They don't give up on their favorite uh, propaganda outlets for no reason. 
We need to start like just telling because him, it's just because it's tedious. We need to start telling them things they don't want to hear. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> yeah, all this time we've been telling you things you wanted to hear. <laughs> uh, we did have one comment on the last one. Uh, TBM pointed us to an Amazon Bluetooth shower speaker for fifteen bucks. Hmm. I wonder if he's making any money on that. If he has like an Amazon affiliate. And is just trying to piggyback on the podcast to get a bunch of money off Probably. of that. I'm sure Probably. he is. You can make tons of money off an Amazon affiliate account on $15 purchases. Two or three of those, and he could buy a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe after the coming deflationary crash, as long as he saves that affiliate revenue... saves it instead of using it to buy gas and food well anyway what's on your mind today i'm I'm really just kind of teasing i we tried to get up a little bit earlier to do the podcast and uh jordan bruno for some reason his uh circadian rhythm (laughs) circadian rhythm is way off way off when they say up in the night you know that's you I'm not going to admit to that, but it's a possibility that yeah, that's. I've, I've that gone that's through me. phases like that where you, I feel most awake and alert, like at two, three in the morning. It's not good for sleep cycles. No, I, you know, I think I know what it is though. You got me watching Stranger Things. Oh, so you started watching it? I'm not only started; I'm halfway through. All right. Okay, I didn't do a forty-hour work week, but so, I. I'm into season three now. Let's give our listeners something to look forward to now. Okay. So in a couple of days, today, by the way, as I mentioned, it's Monday, June 27th. Welcome back, everybody. We are the Mind Virus Podcast. I'm Bobby Flood. That is Jordan Bruno. And uh, the there's two more episodes coming out in a couple of days for Stranger Things. Really? July 1st, they're putting out to uh, basically what I think is like a two-part season finale for like season a m- four. mini-series? I think they're longer episodes is what I heard. So let's do this. I, you- could tell, I could tell they started to get popular, more popular like season two and three because they started paying more for the music licenses. <laughs> you started to hear a lot more m- yeah. of, of the recognizable popular music. Anyway, sorry. So Well, season one was a big hit and it kind of came out of nowhere, I think. All these, you know, child stars, no, no-namers. I mean, Winona, oh, yeah, was Winona, yeah, Winona Ryder's not a no-namer, but the Yeah, but as, and, yeah, the, the vast majority of these people are not previously right. recognized, and they're interesting people. So let's do this. Let's let you get caught up. Okay, so how long am I... Okay, hold on. What am I committing to? To finishing. This the, week? Not this week, necessarily, but let's get you caught up. Yeah. Because I... Nobody's caught up because there's still two episodes yet to be released. And they'll be released when again? I think July 1st. You heard it here first, folks. If you heard it I here mean, first. If you heard it here first. <laughs> you got to hear things other places. <laughs> what we do here is we, we tell you what everything means and we tell you what you should think about it. That's what we do. On a weekly basis. <laughs> So um, when, when you're caught up and I'm caught up and, we've, and Stranger Things has a little, uh, you know, seasons one through four out there and done, 
let's have a Stranger Things episode. Do we have to like wait till the listeners have a chance to catch up so that we don't do any spoilers? I'm guessing that that's... We're giving them that heads up right there's now. There's been a lot of uh, cliffhangers yeah. and questions and, and whatnot. They're really good at that. But let's, um, we're giving you all fair warning now. You have at least, let's say, two weeks, if not longer, because I don't think we'll do it next week unless you really, really want to. Well, I'm not going to, let's not reveal any spoilers, but I just wanted to give like a little bit of a overview of what I'm thinking so far. Okay, give your overview now, and then we're, we're committing to some point in the near-ish future, we will have a whole episode dedicated to Stranger Things. Right. Okay. We did have an episode called Stranger Things. That was last week. Last week. That's we what got me going. And the yeah. last week, if you didn't listen to last week's, we sort of touched on ritual abuse and the possibility that this is going on in everywhere. In, well, I think it's in your home state. It's in your hometown. It's in your living room. What was it? The, the chicken heart that ate New York City. That's the <laughs> Bill Cosby skit. Do you remember that one? A little bit, yeah, okay. yeah. He's he's listening to it on the radio, and dum 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 dum. It's in your home. He's in your home state. He's in your hometown. He's in your living room. Ah, lights the house on fire. My dad comes in. Well, I I think that some of the reactions to the big news of the week, which we'll probably get to, makes me think that that child child sacrifice is alive and well and. Um, the people, when people can't do it or can't do it as easily as they'd like to, they get really angry, but go on. Well, anyway, that, that was an interesting episode and I'm guessing we'll end up talking more about that. The last American vagabond guys did another, uh, they did another article on it. They didn't do like a podcast. They have like podcast format and then article format stuff. So this is an easy, you're not committing to a two hour podcast. You'd be committing to a 15 minute read. If you wanted to go look at that, they, they did a pretty good job as far as I'm concerned, documenting the efforts to investigate um, ritual abuse in Utah. So it's, it's really interesting because remember this is all tied to the, uh, Utah County attorney's race where, if you, again, if you're not up to speed, we were talking last week about how the sheriff, Mike Smith, had reopened or opened up an investigation into this ritualized abuse, and he was looking for people who had information from the 90s, 2000s, you know, from, from like a 20 to 30 year stretch there, to come forward. He's asking them to come forward. And he said, it said they had like 120 tips or something like that. And within hours or a day or something of his public press conference, the Utah County attorney just came forward, held a press conference and like freaked out. I think it's important to note that this isn't just tied up in this attorney's race. This, that was kind of the impetus for it resurfacing but this this has some serious implications in in the state of utah cultural political like serious implications and uh it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out but yeah go you can we we do elaborate a bit and it's interesting to in our last week's episode it's interesting to see this getting a little bit more uh national coverage speaking of national coverage uh project veritas nailed both uh 
John Curtis and Becky Edwards in a little sting operations. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Curtis basically is a wolf in sheep's clothing. If you didn't know that already, yeah, his staffer, to the party. his staffer just admits that he's like, we basically are pretending to be something we're not. So we win elections because Democrats can't win in Utah. And then Becky Edwards just says, yeah, I'm, I'm your pro-abortion person. I, I'll stand up for abortion. And she is currently primarying Mike Lee. Um, I don't think she... I don't think she stands a chance, but again... Stranger things have happened. <laughs> these elections are not what they always seem to be. Well, the Utah County... Well, actually, it's the Utah State Republican primary is tomorrow. So next week, we'll have some information on whether this Levitt guy... If he, if he wins the Utah County primary, he will be the next Utah... or the He will retain his seat as the Utah County attorney because... Mm-hmm. And if there, if there was ever, yeah, if there was ever anything set in stone in politics, it's that if you win as a Republican in Utah, <laughs> chances are, unless you're Bill Orton or somebody, you're going to win. Um, yeah, there's a couple of November contest, more contested areas like, uh, you know, state off some, some of the state seats, you know, yeah, I guess, Park well, City. Ben or, McAdams, right? That yeah, one is and, an and, independent and, uh, or a Democrat. He was a Democrat, but that. That that's a congressional seat. That the boundaries of that particular seat get gerrymandered, gerrymandered every time. so much. It's like I, I haven't moved in in a long time, and I've I think I've been in three different congressional districts. Yeah, the well, they're they're always the the legislature in Utah is always shifting, and you could call it gerrymandering. But what they're really doing, their stated purpose is to make sure that all the congressional seats reflect Utah, uh, the, the majority. Well, and, and, and I guess in somewhat of a defense of them, that the state, especially in the, the southwestern part of Salt Lake County, has grown leaps and bounds. Just bajillions of people are, are now living out in where there was no population right. 10 years ago. And they're building still. There's building, gonna be building, ton- building, building, building. Right. They torn down the prison in Bluffdale. They want to put in massive... Now, if you buy land and live, uh, live where the prison was, isn't that like living on an Indian burial ground kind of? Like, yeah, do, if you're like open to there. spiritual energies or spirits or yeah. what, that's, that's going to be weird. They're, they're going to need to salt that earth, I think, before they... I don't know. I wondered about the down in near Utah Lake where they're reclaiming all that land that was Geneva Steel Plant. Are those people going to be like growing third eyeballs and things from from the water? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What's that going to be like? Yeah. Right. Well, anyway, here we are. Here we are. So anyway, last week last week that's what we were talking about and um that's how stranger things came up because in Stranger Things, it appears to me, and this is my brief summary, which everyone out there is laughing that knows me. Jordan's about to do a brief summary. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to decide if it's like historical fiction. Because this is about the 80s. Yeah. It starts in like 1983, right? In October uh, of 1983 or something? Something like that, yeah. I think right by now they're up to like 86 or How so. How do they handle the pandemic gap? 
do they do like a two year break? Because <clears throat> they did 83, 84, and I don't know what they did next. I think season four is 86. Yeah. I don't remember. But they, I mean, there was no pandemic in the 80s. Yeah, so they had the kids grew up a little bit, but they grew yeah. a lot during one. So it was, it was their growth spurt year. Sure. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, the the kids have definitely changed over the course of the seasons, and that's just the reality of having teenagers and watching them age. They're going to shoot up, but that uh, it doesn't hurt the series as they age. Good. I'm I'm just uh, trying to decide if it's historical fiction, if it's a documentary, or if it's allegorical, or yes. some yes. some combination well well here's a a, not, a spoiler-free kind of uh overview or or foundation it's it deals with secret government experimentation into supernatural uh kind of extraterrestrial demonic powers uh, uh, of the mind and mind control mind manipulation so and our government with- would never do anything like that right <laughs> yeah, the thing with the ritual abuse is that, in a lot of cases, our understanding is that the children are uh, dramatically damaged. They're they're they attempt to split their personalities in order in order that they bury away the abuse so that it can continue to happen on a cyclical basis, and the kids can be used. But in the case of Stranger Things, you mix in. In some of the cases, there are allegations of murders, right, with the satanic ritual abuse. Mm-hmm. With the Stranger Things, they're mixing in the MK Ultra thing. It's not so much about a, a ring of ritual abuse, but that there is abuse, and then there's the MK Ultra government angle that they're wanting to weaponize people. Which is fine because it's all in the name of defeating communism, and, and everyone knows that you can do anything. Anything is ethical if it's to defeat communism. Well, that's the unless I'm mistaken here, and I, there's a lot of things swimming around in my head at this early hour. Isn't the MK thing, the MK Ultra thing, documented and and um, admitted? Yes. Like the government has admitted to it, and to they experimenting also, with LSD and mind control. They also assured us all that they stopped doing that. They're not still doing and that. And that's, that's the same thing with the media involvement in the, uh, or sorry, with the CIA involvement in media. Yeah, the Project Mockingbird, I think that was called. Uh, there's speculation and probably good speculation that um, Ted Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski was involved in in government MK Ultra type experimentation when he was a teenager at Harvard. He was a brilliant mathematician, this like savant type. And as Is a kid, again? Ted Kaczynski, also oh, known yeah, the as Unabomber. the Unabomber, uh, went to Harvard at a very young age, like sixteen years old. Which let's let's no no sixteen year old should be in college because even if they're smart enough. That that person is too young to engage in any of the social activities with his peers. He will have no peers, and so the, that person will automatically be a loner because they, everyone else is eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. They're adults, mm-hmm. and, and you know you're not going to take the sixteen-year-old math weirdo to the bar drinking. You're not going to get a girlfriend because no nineteen-year-old girl wants to date a sixteen-year-old. Anyway, so he got a little. 
Well, there's Go- goofed up societally. I just think he was already kind of loner-ish, mm-hmm. and then he goes there, and there's some pretty good. He was experimented on. The question mm-hmm. is like who who was ultimately behind it. Well, just for the listener's sake here, well, finish your thought. I'm, I'm going to talk about the church committee in a second. Well, he uh, Kaczynski's an interesting fellow, and of course, he's the Unabomber. He, if you're forgotten or you only get things here you only hear things here first uh una bomber <laughs> una was there was a there was a reasoning behind that and i think it meant universities and airplanes or something like that we could look that up but it meant something and he uh Tekazinski sent una una right he sent bombs through the mail and he killed uh, a few people over the course of several years, including here, he he targeted uh, somebody here at the University of Utah, I believe. And this was like uh, in the late 70s and then a few times in the 80s. And he was ultimately caught in the mid-90s in a cabin in the woods near Lincoln, Montana. And I've actually been to the I've been to the location. Not for that purpose. Okay, I was going to ask, what are you doing over there? I was traveling uh, through uh, Stemple Pass is where his cabin was near Lincoln, Montana. And um, the cabin itself, weirdly, uh, this, is, this shows kind of our, our government's kind of fetish for this sort of thing, but the cabin was this little teeny, like, one-room thing. They took it from the mountains and reassembled it at the Smithsonian Museum, where it's They put him in the Smithsonian. They put it, he's in solitary confinement somewhere. No, but they put his legacy in the Smithsonian. Isn't yeah. that like, like something that media always freaks out about? Like, you can't give him attention because right. then we want the, first of all, it takes attention from us, the media. Right. And then that's going to embolden future copycats. Well, he, he had a lot of attention. I don't know if we were teenagers at the time he was caught, but I, I remember it. And uh, one of his, uh, it's interesting the way he, he got caught, and there's a pretty good, there's a pretty good. I think it's on Netflix. There's a pretty good series about the Ted Kaczynski story. That's a it's um a drama. It's not documentary. You know, it has actors. Um, <clears throat> Paul um, Bettany. Paul Bettany. So I it's think, kind of like Stranger Things. Uh, without the without the reveals, without the without the public acknowledgments, without the monsters. Oh, okay. Different kind of monster, maybe. But uh, Kaczynski famously wrote this long, very long manifesto, right? And he, he said uh, if, he, if the New York Times published it, he would stop mailing the bombs. And so the New York Times and the Washington Post published this. And there's a phrase um, that ultimately... Like, have your cake. Yeah, so we... The, the, this phrase ultimately is what got him caught. So we all say you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Right. Well, I guess for Ted, that was a pet peeve because it was wrong. It was supposed to be the proper way to say the phrase is you can't eat your cake and have it too. Do you see the difference? And he uses that phrase, right. either uses that phrase in the manifesto or used it in one of the demands to publish it. And mm-hmm. his own brother recognized that and thought, that's only something I've heard from Ted. He tipped off the FBI. 
The FBI raided his cabin in Lincoln, Montana, and arrested him. I think that was in 95 or 96. But I've read the, I've read the manifesto, and it's quite long and banal. And there's some things in there that I really like, honestly. I mean, he talks about the encroachment of, of so te- technology. Banal, and, banal and, adjectives. So lacking in originality as to be obvious and boring. Right. Okay. It's not the ramblings of a madman. It might be a little bit rambling because it's very, very long. But uh, one core fundamental idea behind it that I can get behind is um, that uh, that government and technology and and kind of this what we maybe call oligarchy or authority now is uh, exerting far too much far too much control over our our daily lives. And this was in the nineties. You know, imagine yeah. what he thinks now with the smartphones and the internet and the way that you know news is twenty four seven, every day, all the time, everywhere. Anyway, I there's some good evidence, some good speculative evidence that he was uh, experimented on in MK Ultra style, and that could have maybe messed him up in a way that caused him to be violent. I don't know. So. I was just reading a little bit about this on the Wikipedia page, which of course is going to be one-sided. It, I, what, what, what was his, what was the uh, reasoning behind sending these to certain university professors? Was he trying to stop science and technology from, from I going I think he forward? targeted those people because they felt like those institutions, you know, government, academics, kind of the, the industrial, military-industrial complex I mean, he, he was sent, the problem, was the heart and soul of the kind of the problem behind society's or the cause behind society's problems. He said he tried to down an airplane in 79. He tried to, uh, like in 81, he sent a package to BYU, the BYU, by mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> and then uh, another one to the University of Utah, then to Berkeley, uh, you know. Why BYU and University of Utah? I mean, in 81, that's, a, that's essentially nowhere. Uh, he starts off in 78, sending um, a bomb to a guy that's a professor of materials engineering at Northwestern University. I mean, do they... What, what's the point? I'm not sure, uh, honestly. It's been a, a little bit since I've kind of read up on him and... But, it's been a while uh, since you read the manifesto. Uh, right. But I think, it, I think, honestly, it was just that he viewed the university system. And, and again, maybe this goes back to his bad experiences at Harvard. I don't know if he ever sent anything to Harvard. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Hold on a second here. No, it wasn't. He didn't send a bomb to BYU, to the BYU. He, in 81, a package bearing the return address of a Brigham Young University professor of electrical engineering was discovered in a hallway at the University of Utah. So this added, maybe he was trying to get the holy war going a little <laughs> bit more intensely. So sorry, there's a good chart here. I should have looked at the chart first before skimming through. The chart on Wikipedia has dates of the bombing, state, location, and then a column that says explosion, which is the right. operative column and it's in color. So it tells you, it tells you that most of his bombs actually did explode. There were two that were diffused, and the one at the University of Utah uh, was diffused, 
Probably because the U of U guy was like, this dude from BYU would never send me anything. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> it, uh, it says that, uh, it says that, it says here that uh, the package was brought to campus police. It was discovered in the hallway and was brought to campus police and diffused by the bomb squad. So they knew something was up. The, um, the series, and, um, that I mentioned with, I believe it's Paul Bettany, is quite good. Uh, it's uh, it's worth it's worth your time, especially if you're at all interested in. in I'm, I'm not. I'm working on a different. Right. Well, I'm just. Here. I'm speaking to the general how many, audience. How here. many? Oh, I thought we were having a conversation. <laughs> how many uh, seasons is the Unabomber thing? It's just one. It's like a. How many hours? See, this is. I don't know. I always maybe six. Okay, that's not too big of a I don't, commitment. I don't remember. Maybe. Maybe I don't remember. See, TV series are a huge commitment, and they follow this formula where, see, I started, I had to start, I had to stop watching the Stranger Things stuff right in the middle. So my strategy is to watch, because then otherwise you get sucked into binge watching, right? Because they have, they've figured out that if they don't end the thought at the end of the episode, you'll start the next episode and you'll go all the way through because you subconsciously think, this is like the scriptures. The chapter breaks are hiding important information. And they know that since this is TV and not the scriptures, you want to keep watching instead of fall asleep while reading. And so they, they end the episode at the most important suspenseful point so that you don't stop watching you just go all the way through and they're really good at it with stranger things oh they're excellent <clears throat> it's excellent storytelling and then and i think this happens with a lot of well pretty much every tv series tries to do this they want you to keep watching or they want you to come back for the next week who watches who now still chime in on the podcast page who still watches serialized television shows as they come out and and is stupid enough to have to wait a week to see the next thing because by the way if you watch these on the internet afterwards you can just watch them all at once you don't even have to wait you don't have to wait for anything you can just watch all nine seasons from start to finish starting on say Sunday night and go all the way through till Thursday morning or something. If you want, you can do that, but you have to wait until all nine seasons are out and then you have FOMO and you can't talk about it with your friends. You mean if you have, if you do wait till the seasons are out? Yeah. By the way, the, the series with um, Paul Bettany as Ted Kaczynski is called Manhunt Unabomber. And, okay. Uh, there Duly is, noted. I think there's eight episodes. Paul Bettany is an English actor, right? He's got a very He's an British, British accent. He plays Vision in mm-hmm. Age of Ultron. But, and uh, also the voice of Jarvis before that. Jarvis is the computer right. that, that um, Iron Man, Tony Stark, has aiding him it's his computer assistant anyway so um what are we talking about today 
Uh, we were just gonna. We were about to get to that point. Okay. We were almost to get to that point. I was lamenting my attitude, and then we wanted to talk about a, a little bit about Stranger Things. And to finish the tangent, we are not done with this tangent. Okay. To finish this tangent, I wanted to read to you a section from the Wikipedia article on the church hearings. Oh yes, the church hearings. You or the church committee. Because see, this is this. This was the last time there were there were there have been a few important congressional investigations and post World War II pretty much any congressional investigation didn't go anywhere didn't didn't actually accomplish anything except got some information out there which would then become the basis of conspiracy research later on uh just one second you can edit that nose blowed out later yeah, like we won't. normally do yeah okay <laughs> um, it is kind of polleny out, uh, polluted. What is it? Wow, it's been a lot of pollinated. It's been a lot of, been a lot of uh, stuff in the air lately. I like. I've had some sinus issues. Okay, maybe that's why it's so much easier to not sleep and and stay up late watching serialized television. Okay, so. Just off the top of my head, three really important investigations that occurred post World War II were the was the uh, the Reese Committee. I think that's 1953. So that's the committee to investigate the tax exempt foundations. Is either 52 or 53? And this is where they discovered that by going through the notes, and we talked about this in episode eight, hidden picture. By going through the notes of the uh, executive committees of various of these endowments, these tax-exempt foundations. Remember, the big question is, do the robber barons, people who were these cutthroat monopolists, do they all of a sudden in their old, old age become soft and, and want to be philanthropists? Or did they put their money into tax-exempt foundations because the foundations were tax-exempt? Do ultra wealthy people are they just really good hearted once they've raped, pillaged, still plunder, stolen, plundered, and you know just behaved really badly for fifty years? Do they all of a sudden just become philanthropists and put their money into tax exempt foundations because they want to give it away, or is it because the foundations are tax exempt? They're they're nice people. That's okay. Why. Bill Gates and Bill and Melinda Gates didn't wait till the end of their lives. They put their money into tax exempt foundations early on because they realized that that's where they could put their money into a tax-exempt mechanism and then maintain control of it and buy up pharmaceutical companies, hospitals, uh, non-governmental organizations, governmental organizations, uh, armies, navies, false priests who oppress, tyrants who destroy, and then they reign with blood and horror upon the earth. Okay. You can edit that out if you want. But anyway, the, ch the church committee comes later you have okay so you have the reese committee in the 50s that was trying to figure out why these tax-exempt foundations had developed undue influence in american society because everybody's going what in the heck is the rockefeller foundation doing here why is the ford foundation involved how how come things are not where, where's the america that i once knew you know and the tax-exempt foundations were uh of course created coincident to the the 
income tax, the 16th Amendment, taxation of the, the people's incomes, because, you know, we don't want to, the government had dramatically expanded its taxing capabilities, and so simultaneously, the people who set that up built themselves a safety valve where they could put their money. The next commission of interest, I think, was the Warren Commission. This was the one that discovered that it was a magic bullet that entered JFK's skull at high velocity and then exited through the same hole. And that's how JFK died, was a lone gunman. And out of this, the, the, this committee, the findings of it are, are highly disputed. But the thing is, out of this committee, we, we derive uh, such important Americanism, such historically important ideas as, quote unquote, conspiracy theory. And as we've discussed, again, just for the uninformed, the term conspiracy theory came from the media and the CIA, which later in the church committee, we find out the media and the CIA were essentially the same people. Um, the idea is that people who were paying attention to the JFK assassination, everybody wanted to know who'd done it. And the Warren Commission comes out and said it was a lone gunman. It was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald acting alone. And that's where the term lone gunman or lone wolf or whatever comes from. And that's why they're always acting like they're afraid of these lone terrorists when in reality they're surveilling everything you say to your friends because they know that nothing gets done without a coordinated effort. So this idea that it's a lone gunman comes out of the Warren Commission and anybody who says otherwise is a uh, nut there because... They believe in a conspiracy theory, that the theory that the JFK assassination was orchestrated by a conspiracy. And a conspiracy is simply two or more people working in concert, generally for a nefarious end. But that's how anything gets done in the world, is two or more people working together, right? So the whole thing is conspiracy theory. And I've argued before here on the podcast that the conspiracy theory idea is essentially the equivalent in history to the unifying theory or the, the, what do they call it? They call it the unifying theory or the theory of everything, unified field theory. They're all, in physics, they're always looking for one unifying theory that describes all physical matter uh, interaction, how, how physical matter works. And so they've, they've had a hard time figuring out that one key, that, that key um, seminal piece of information that explains everything in physics but we have it in history and that theory is not really a theory it's really probably we should title it bruno's law which is when one or more when two or more people get together they tend to conspire <laughs> and work towards their own self gratification and, and aggrandizement against the uh, against the uh, benefits of everybody else, against against everybody else's interests, they'll they'll work towards their interests first, and not worry about the the best interests of everybody else. So that's that explains history right there. Conspiracy theory explains history in general, and we have open conspiracies and we have secret conspiracies. I mean, ask Caesar Augustus, not Caesar Augustus, ask Julius Caesar if Brutus, Brutus and Cassius were conspiring against him. I mean, 
this is since time immemorial. This is going on. Well, anyway, the church committee is 1975, and it says that this is formally called the United States Senate Select Committee to Study Governmental Operations within, with Respect to Intelligence Activities. It was a U.S. Senate Select Committee in 1975 that investigated abuses, abuses, even Wikipedia calls them abuses, by the Central Intelligence Agency, agency comma, the National Security Agency, the National Security Agency, comma, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, comma, and the Internal Revenue Service. This is like the most wanted poster for who wrecked America that everybody that's worth their salt as a conspiracy theorist has up on their wall in their break room. The CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and the IRS. These are the most feared, most hated, most talked about apparatus of government that that we really should be worried about right now anyway chaired by idaho senator frank church a democrat the committee was part of a series of investigations into intelligence abuses in 1975 dubbed quote the year of intelligence including its house counterpart the pike committee and the presidential rockefeller commission okay the committee's efforts led to establish the permanent u.s senate Select Committee on Intelligence, which is now essentially a mechanism that hides whatever the intelligence community is doing. Anyway, the most shocking revelations of the committee included Operation MK Ultra involving the drugging and torture of unwitting U.S. citizens as part of human experimentation on mind control. If you have a faction in government that's drugging and torturing unwitting U.S. citizens, don't you, don't you just disband immediately that apparatus? No, what you do is you create a Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and you let them report to the Senate in secret and give them as much money as they want to continue doing what they're doing. At least that's what our history shows yeah, they did. Yeah, but the drugs were safe and effective. They were very effective. Okay, out of that comes LSD. Anyway, co-intel... Now, this is 1975. That means this has been going on since probably the... The end of World War II or the start of World War II. Okay, and it's still going on. This is World War II. You got to have, you need to have. If you're trying to control the world, you have to have big events that get the public to give you all kinds of control and money, so that you can build these things up. And then over the course of many years, they do crazy things like MK Ultra. The next thing was COINTELPRO. This involved the surveillance and infiltration of American political and civil rights organizations. Okay, so who runs the Democrat Party? According to the church committee, it's the CIA, NSA, FBI, and the IRS. It's Who runs uh, the Republican Party, Bobby Flood? The same. The same people. The CIA, the NSA, the FBI, so and the IRS. COINTELPRO stood for, what did that stand for? It, it's an acronym kind of or an abbreviation. Does it say there okay, on I'm your source? click away. Forgive me for a second. Because uh, it was an interesting, it's an interesting term, and I, I can't it's remember It's an abbreviation, it. a, syll- a syllabic abbreviation derived from counterintelligence program. Okay, so yeah, so this was like people, famously, they, uh, these guys, the COINTELPRO guys, infiltrated like uh, the MLK circle and the Mark, Black Panthers. Martin Luther King. Right, and... The Communist Party, the Black Power Movement, the Nation of Islam, and Vietnam probably, War... 
protesters. Probably more recently, things like... Puerto Rican uh, independence groups. The Tea Party. Why would Puerto Rico want to be an independent country? Don't Aren't they happy being a territory of the United States of America? Did I think you know also, that we have territories like Puerto Rico? Yeah, American Samoa. But they don't have the same rights as, say, a state. Right. I think uh, uh, more recently, you've got like these, these guys that were uh, the, uh, arrested up in Idaho. What were they called? The, um, uh, did you see that story where they found him the in the Patriot back? Front. The, the Patriot Front, where they found him in the back of a truck. It's all so, packaged uh, up, ready to it go. It seems so, so obviously fake. And you had all of those Fed boys. Uh, at, at, the event. at some of those events, yeah, those those non-events. Uh, these are the that, same type of guys that agitated January sixth, right? They're still doing they were the, this. They were stuff. the provocateurs. They're still out there doing this stuff. You don't think people are mind controlled? Look at the way that people react to certain uh, Look, events. I'm not even done in, in mass. Let, let me just finish the list here. This is just the ones that Wikipedia was willing to put right. up. So COINTELPRO, Family Jewels, a CIA program to covertly assassinate foreign leaders. I'm sure that foreign countries like that. And it doesn't say we're talking about Russians at the time. This is anybody that doesn't walk to the beat of their drummer. Mm -hmm. Operation Mockingbird, and this is one of the most important ones. A systematic propaganda campaign with domestic and foreign journalists. Now, which, which journalists? Domestic and foreign. Now, why would they say domestic and foreign? So that they can come back and say, well, it was just foreign and domestic journalists. And everybody goes, well, what does that mean? What the, the person that wrote this article should say, Operation Mockingbird was a systematic propaganda campaign with all journalists. Right. And that's, that's what foreign and domestic uh, means. It's still it going on. all journalists. They're, even, they're very brazen about it nowadays where you have former intelligence officers and leaders so possibly, possibly hosting shows on MSNBC, we, we CNN, about, NBC. We talked about Anderson Cooper in Channel One. It's, this yeah. is, so, so they moved. The, <laughs> so what do they do after the church committee hearings? They started Channel One. Um, it, the, the end of the sentence is that, that, that this is a campaign with foreign and domestic journalists operating as CIA assets and dozens of U.S. news organizations providing cover for CIA activity. They still do it. <laughs> it also unearthed Project Shamrock, in which major telecommunications companies shared their traffic with the NSA while officially confirming the existence of this signals intelligence agency public to the first time. So the NSA apparently was brought to light in the church committee. Is that what that's saying? Anyway, okay. That was a long tangent, but for the listener's sake, I think important. I think, I think we could say that this was an important overview Here's a uh, relevant uh, injection. This is from the manifesto. <laughs> this is from the, the Unabomber's manifesto? Right. Let me just say, I don't necessarily endorse it, but when I think was it's it relevant. This, it was printed in the, like 93, 94, something like that. Let's see. It says, in 1995, Kaczynski mailed several letters. Okay, so this is, is mid-90s. He says the industrial technological system may survive or it may break down. If it survives, it may, and may is all capitalized, it may eventually achieve a low level of physical and psychological suffering, but only after passing through a long and very painful period of adjustment and only at the cost 
of permanently reducing human beings and many other living organisms to engineered products and mere cogs in the social machine. Furthermore, if the system survives, the consequences will be inevitable. There is no way of reforming or modifying the system so as to prevent it from depriving people of dignity and autonomy. If the system breaks down, the consequences will still be very painful. But the bigger the system grows, the more disastrous the results of its breakdown will be. So if it is to break down, it had best break down sooner rather than later. We therefore advocate a revolution against the industrial system. This revolution may or may not make use of violence. Then he goes on from there. I think we're living through the breakdown of the system. We've talked about that a lot in the course of this podcast. Is it the I, breakdown of the system? Well, and it, it, and it might be the death throes of the system. I don't know if we understand fully how broken think, the system truly is and how much it's being artificially propped up with uh, MK Ultra or Mockingbird type propaganda, well, like but also just fake fake money, fake prosperity. All this stuff is like we're on an eggshell or something. What about like chemtrails and fluoride in the water? Where do you stand on that, Mister Flood? I mean, is it possible that they have since World War II found m- methods that they've been able to easily excuse to? Create a more docile, controllable public. Yeah, of course, like that through, through chemicals, right? Yeah, and then yeah, of course it, we know, like social media, like your your phone, like you really watch people on their phones. Zombies. Zo- that's the zombie apocalypse. Any zombie movie that's come out is an allegory about that. Well, we've we've talked about others that we like to read and listen to have talked about like the 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 last couple of years. Seem it seems like they're trying to agitate us into a mass <laughs> uh, revolution. They want us going crazy in the streets, and it just isn't happening. And I and I so it, we're it, resisting the controlling the control. I, I don't think anybody's resisting anything. I think we're all just dead. Like we're just dead inside. Now there are obviously we had the 2020 uh, BLM riots. I thought there was going to be riots this week with the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. There's there was some smaller ones. I, I don't know whether or not. So you're you're trying to say that they want, and this makes a lot of sense to me, but I just want to articulate it. The oligarchy, the powers that be, would like to have us revolt so that they can use emergency powers to take even greater granular control. I mean, that's the theory, that's right? That's the theory, right? And that's the whole basis of like the series, The X-Files, is that they were going to use the emergency management system to... It's what Trudeau did in Canada. So he was loving the trucker, uh, trucker yeah, protests. Yeah, because it allowed him to, to seize a bunch of power and to instigate What's some interesting rules. Is, is that, I mean, that, the trucker protest is akin to a modern... Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi type of a thing. It's a sit-in. It was a it's sit-in. A, yeah, but they were, they didn't like that they had uh, big trucks and horns and the the ability to resupply. I mean, it's it's the it's a repeat of that. And I thought there was going to be more uh, rioting after the Roe v. Wade announcement, and there really wasn't. Which I don't know whether or not to be. Uh, optimistic that most of the country actually thinks it's a pretty good decision. Legally, it makes sense. It's a good, sound, legal decision when you look at the 
foundation and the kind of design of our government. But there was some. There was death threats for these justices. There was, there was some. But I don't know. I don't know what it would take. And I'm not necessarily advocating for this, but I don't know what it would take to get everybody rioting in the streets. Because so far, it's been a pretty small group of people that cause a lot of damage, right? The BLM riots were never massive. They were just... Well, I, I don't uh, think we've They got, were impactful in certain I places. don't think we've come to the point where people have nothing to lose. They have a lot to lose. The truckers proved that. Their bank accounts. Their, right. They, 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 there weren't enough of them willing to go to jail to really create any sort of change. <clears throat> Maybe that's like the old saying that a, a fat, fat, satisfied artists don't paint because they don't need to. No, I, I think that that's a good point. It's like we, w- the level of excess that we have, the level of security we have definitely affects our activities and our desire to do anything you know why would you work on something when you can sit down and watch uh nine seasons of some of any number of shows you haven't already seen so i i think it serves the oligarchy better for us to be fat and lazy and ignorant this is uh the bread and circuses of the roman empire yeah yeah and just keep us busy keep us distracted and meanwhile and, and now and again they can just Say well, you know if they need if they need some they need some people what, to get mad about some things they'll agitate that right yeah what this is saying is that we are re- in reality we are the capital city of Hunger Games of Panem we're Panem in uh, Latin doesn't that mean bread um, mm, I think so that whole that whole thing was an allegory I think I mean very very interesting from a modern standpoint because of all the technology involved the propaganda involved i didn't read the books i just watched the the Mm -hmm. movies there they were pretty engaging but we the united states a lot of people want to say that it's washington dc that's capital city no we the united states act like capital city you 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 look at the extravagance and the silliness of their clothing and their their behaviors in capital city and that's america isn't it compared to the rest of the world i mean that's any industrialized country like europe france so so uh paris london and this has been going on for a while like all the people that'll like the fashion shows the the met galas the and even in china you have that a little bit there's a um a tweet that came out of the State Department, and um, it was this woman, and she's—I mean, she's dressed nicely, but kind of—it just had Hunger Game vibes to me. And she's she's the newly appointed <clears throat> uh, the the chief diversity and inclusion officer um, for the State Department, and she's sitting here giving this speech about how you know the inclusion and diversity and blah 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 is an important part of the government anyway she it is just it just gave me hunger game vibes it's it's just so dystopian and over the top and condescending it's like i don't know this is the state she's department she's not dressed up 
but her hair is kind of looking her, like a her, little hundred, hundred yeah days. her hair is very um but i can't see what she's saying so yeah it's all a closed caption because i didn't put turn on the volume but it's it's this is the state department this is the where all the agencies originate right they what? they like to they like to shelter themselves with the st- oh, work for state yeah <laughs> Yeah, That's and of course, the State Department is the one American uh, department that reaches all across the world and has offices State Department in every country. Is the is the government? It's the government of the United States is not the executive and the legislative and the judicial branches. It's the State Department, which is why Barack Obama would name his arch enemy Hillary Clinton as. Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. It was the State Department that spied on Trump and probably every other president for being real and make sure that those presidents well, do what they so, need them to do. Whatever the shadowy mechanism is, the State Department factors heavily into it, right? I mean, you can't just say, oh, let's clean up the State Department. This is a cancer that is an infiltrated... Uh, government in general you have a you, you essentially have a hydra here mm-hmm. right which is makes the whole avengers hydra organization <laughs> seem a little bit less fictional but uh it, yeah a hydra is a great way to uh describe it hail hydra <laughs> well that's the tangent what do you want to talk about today <laughs> Well, I, I, it was a big news week, right? Roe v. Roe v. Wade Roe, was the big news. Roe v. Wade was officially overturned uh, on Friday. Now, on that same day... It was sort of like a, a lackluster thing, though, because everybody was going to protest, but they deflated the balloon. I wonder if the whole thing was orchestrated to hide the passage of the gun laws. Yeah, that same day, a new gun law was signed by the... Well, passed by the Senate and the House, and I believe Biden signed it... And this was the red he flag it before it was passed. <laughs> this was the red flag law bill, right? They call it a gun safety bill. It has nothing to do with gun safety. Yeah, this, this is one of those moments I think that will live in infamy, but only in the hearts of conspiracy researchers because it's like the passage of the Federal Reserve Act. We don't know how bad it's going to be for a long time. Well, what's a red flag? Anything you want it to be. Right. Um, so this will give an opportunity for... We now have selective ownership of guns in America. Well, this will give an opportunity for uh, a lot of uh, re- revenge, right? Let's see, you have a bad breakup. Your partner can then report you to the ATF or whoever because of uh, uh, red flags because you raised your voice. You say something too loud that a, a CIA operative propagandist news reporter doesn't like. You post something wrong on KSL comments. You... You have a it's browser. Not just about your family. You have We're a, talking about like you can't be politically active anymore without having to hide your guns because yeah. they can come. They're going to come for you. Your cell phone data if, showing that you were outside the Capitol on January sixth. Eric Mutsos. Eric Mutsos. He's going to have to take action to avoid be, being swatted by somebody. He because right. he's like an activist. He's gotten some notoriety. He's you, we've, we've had him on the show before. Mm-hmm. You've had him on personally. Your fr- friend with him. Uh, you by association might have a problem uh, there. Well, everybody. No, but I'm just saying that's, Every the, person. that's the first 
That's the yeah. first level. Right. Right. You were at you you went you were in DC on January sixth. Sorry, you can't own a gun. Or, yeah, but the organizers of that, like Alex Jones or whatever, they're yeah, you have a browser targets. history with Infowars. Yeah, red flag. Well, the idea the idea is they're going to say, okay, we they'll take, make take Air, Mutsos for example. They'll make some, some examples of it. Cox or somebody local. The local control mechanism doesn't like this guy, and they then um, red flag him, and then all of a sudden they find on his computer an email network of. Or, or Facebook followers, and they'll, they'll invent a post or something. They'll, they'll just say, yeah, and he told his followers, or the fo- his followers are planning, blah, 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 blah. We needed to take their guns too. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> again, like a cancer, like this caustic agent, it just disintegrates that section of and potential resistance. A lot of people will say things along the lines of, oh, that event, that school shooting was planned in order to pass certain laws. I never really put a lot into that, but Uvalde is different. There is so much evidence that those cops stood down. There's photographic and video evidence of them standing around for 40, 50, 60 minutes while the shooter was- And their excuse is that it had switched from an active shooter to a barricaded shooter. That's their excuse. I know. They always have an excuse. There is they, always a counter-narrative to the truth. I don't know how you get around Which the idea the that is. they were told, instructed to stand down. So who, who told them to do that and why? Sure. And you don't, have to, you don't have to believe that the whole thing was set up and that there were crisis actors or whatever. The point is that you have legislation that has been talked about ready to go for years this is this is a plan that's that all it needs is a hair trigger to set in motion right the pieces of this plan of control the the creeping control ratchets into tighter and tighter place as certain events occur and and so you don't have to have uh, a CIA operative actually do the shooting. You could induce some dumb kid to do it. You, right. M- MK Ultra is still real, guys. which which is a big question. I heard. I haven't done a lot of research on this, but you you sound like you've read more than I have. The kid had like two AR-15s, and he's dirt poor, and he works at Arby's or Wendy's yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, where he got the guns, and they were nice uh, ones, not like how he afforded them is a good question. What wasn't there some question about why his grandmother that he lives with is running around with like a really nice truck i mean i hadn't heard that but he look this dude was at the school for 20 minutes outside of the school shooting shooting the, the guns off outside and, and nothing happened then he was in the school for a long time there's a there was one uh, local police officer whose wife was a teacher at the school who was killed who called her husband, this is all according to a, a local news story, and on the phone said, I've been shot, I'm dying. And he tried to go in there and was, by his fellow officers, was tackled and disarmed. That's, if that's real, if that's true. It's pretty evil. The, the, like you, there's, you can't spin this as a, as a normal, like, like uh, something, is, something is wrong here. And and of course, in the in the aftermath of it, you had the uh, immediate uh, the script went out. Immediate um, um, group think. You know, our, uh, you had gun buybacks. We had one here in Utah where they uh, they claim they bought back a hundred guns. Wow, 
<laughs> out of about 30 million in Utah, probably. <laughs> Maybe 50 million. <laughs> but all of these things were just this, this script went out, right? You had the Salt Lake mayor wearing the orange. And for like three days, the orange shirts were this. I never know, heard about that. Right. It came and went really quick because that's how these things go. But, yeah. but uh, celebrities and Matthew McConaughey were, and this thing, pa- this thing passed. Against overwhelming opposition. And, and like people were, there were plenty of call in campaigns as usual. And, and let's zoom out. What have they been telling us since Biden got into office? Domestic terrorism, domestic terrorism. You're all terrorists. You're all domestic terrorists. Oh, you, 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 sp- you spoke harshly to your school board? Domestic terrorists. So if you're on the record at your local school board meeting talking about masks or lockdowns, you may be red flagged. And you may go to your local gun store just to buy some ammunition, and they might say, "Ah, I'm sorry, sir, we can't sell this to you." Well, why not? I don't know. I just know that I can't sell it to you. So you won't even know why you get flagged. And eventually, if this is allowed to kind of persist, nobody will be able to buy and, uh, buy ammunition, guns of any kind. And one of the big pro- problems with the red flag actions that they want to take is that you, you, you don't have any due process before the SWAT team comes to your house, right? The, the authorities decide they're going to come take your guns and they will come under cover of night, no knock, because they don't want to have a, a war with you, right? I mean, that's pretty much Lexington and Concord has established that them coming to take your guns is enough of a moral uh, reason to uh, resist. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've already had documented cases, I think it was in New Jersey, where uh, a guy was shot over not wanting to give the police his his firearm. So they forced a murder there. So as they think through this, which they already have, they've already thought about how to, to... enter homes uh, with, the, with the least amount of resistance possible. So they're going to come at four in the morning or three in the morning. They're going to come with, with uh, drawn guns, SWAT team. They come into your house. And if you think that they're only going to, to look for and take your guns, you are incredibly naive. Uh, I, have a, I have a bridge to sell you in Alaska. They'll shoot your dogs. They'll... Des- they'll- they're going to take your computers. They're going to go through all your stuff, and they're going to find They'll as many violations. They're going to find as much uh, evidence against you for that you're a bad person as and, they possibly uh, can. And if they can't find it, they'll invent it. And if you sh- and if you shoot back, you will be heralded as a cop killer. That's right. There was a you'll be shot dead <clears throat> by a, in a hail of bullets in a rain of bullets, and they'll f- <clears throat> they'll call everybody in the county down to your neighborhood. And they'll, if you shoot back, that's it. There was a, a no-knock raid in Ogden, Utah, a few years ago, where they, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the guy's name, but he was suspected of having marijuana plants in his house. This was a guy that um, wasn't bothering anybody, right? He was an ex-military, grew a little bit of weed in his house, and... The SWAT went in there and he fired this back. This is like about 10 years ago. He it, fired back, killed an officer. Yeah. They took him off to jail. He was... Uh, what's amazing is they didn't kill him on the spot. Yeah. He was 
I don't think they did because I think they realized um, they were in they a bad were, spot. They were at the wrong house or something. No, they were at the house they wanted to, but yeah, once their guy got shot, they, they, I think they retreated, but they ended up arresting him and hauling him off to jail where he ended up committing suicide in jail. So you had two people whose lives didn't need to end, who end, who, who were ended, you know, and this guy, um, they could have, this is kind of like the David Koresh situation. This, this fellow in Ogden, they could have arrested him on his way to work. They knew where he worked. They knew his patterns. They'd been watching him for a long time. That's what's crazy about they, this stuff. The communists, if you've read Gulag Archipelago, <clears throat> you know that they're, they're experts at just catching people at the train station or right. you know, disappearing them, disappearing people all over the place. They're, ne- they're never going <clears> to, <throat> you, you don't attack someone in their castle. We like to, we meaning the Americans like to go in guns blazing, make a show of it. Clearly. And, you know, why a local PD has all the SWAT equipment is a, a, an argument for another day. But the, the point is they could, have, they could have arrested this guy. You know, I think he worked at, like, as a greeter at Walmart or something. They could have walked in there and just hauled him off uh, without incident. They created the incident. They, insti- they escalated it. They could have arrested David Koresh at any time. Uh, they, the ATF, the FBI escalated the situation. And, uh, we, we may, uh, this, this, uh, this, these, these red flag laws could create a whole bunch of situations where you have this escalation. And then they get to tell you all over the, the mockingbird media gets to say, a rise in domestic terrorism is an alarming trend throughout the United States of America today. And they will. They've already been telling you that. And now they're going to have some incidences, some, some events. You know, this, this um, Patriot Front that they, they grabbed in Idaho, it's so farcical. It's so absurd. And yet people take it seriously. They act like these guys are. They're domestic <laughs> terrorists. Right. It's like they were pulled over in a moving truck and they, they they were on their way to disrupt a gay pride parade or something yeah and they they throw open the door of the moving truck and they're all in there <laughs> dressed identical they got their shields in there and it's like I Straight guess out of there the was somebody from utah and, and look this is a dragnet they they have in they've Straight admitted the they've admitted that uh, someone said how did you know they were in this truck how did you find them oh we had informants you didn't have an, your informants were the organizers. Your informants were the. It's like the Whitner kidnapping plot. It was all fake, and so I think some uh, people, susceptible people, get caught up in this stuff. Right? It's a dragnet. I think yeah, they they induce uh, willing people to participate. That when they start it, when when they start the group or whatever, isn't that entrapment? Uh, it's a hundred percent entrapment because without them instigating it, it never would have happened. There might be people out there that think, yeah, I'm going to go kidnap Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. That would be funny or that would be cool. But that's as far as it goes. But then when somebody that given the opportunity, then they get sucked into that. And I'm not trying to defend the actions of these people, but I'm, I'm not, I'm also pointing out that when you're the instigator, the United States government is instigating these, ins- these, these things. Yeah, the, the, it's, it's classic entrapment. 
the action of tricking someone into committing a crime in order to secure their prosecution. I asked a police officer about this recently. The, the idea is you induce someone to commit a crime that they wouldn't have otherwise committed without your inducement. Right. That's what the FBI is famous for. That's pretty much all they do. <laughs> right. And so I think these, these red flag ideas are going to create uh, a really uh, fertile ground for that kind of stuff. So be cautious about strangers that may approach you with plots <laughs> and pray for discernment. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> if somebody approaches you and says, we've got a group ready to kidnap the governor, you need to back away. <laughs> yeah, I, the, this, the red flag laws are so insidious because like the, the whole point, and we talked about this recently, the whole point of the Second Amendment is to protect yourself against a tyrannical government. That's the whole point. If Look at, again, the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. We went through this a couple of weeks ago. It's, uh, it's mind-blowing how completely wrong the discussion is in popular culture in America about the Second Amendment. It's not about right. sporting rifles. It's not about personal defense. The whole point was that it is your right and your duty to throw off governments that do not protect your natural rights. That's the Declaration of Independence. I know that we don't look at that as law, but that's the whole basis for, for the American experiment was that yeah. declaration, the well, reasons the, why the, they did it. The amendment itself says that a well-regulated militia is necessary the keeping of a free state, and I, I didn't get that exactly right, but a free state to relies on... the security on, of a free state, yeah. And what's well-regulated? Well, it's not... That doesn't mean it's, it's made regular. Has regulations from the government. It means it's well trained. If you look ready up, to go. Yeah, if you look up regulation in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, it will talk about governmental restrictions or governmental requirements. But the point about regulation is that it doesn't always mean limiting. Right. You, you, we had a situation in the United States recently where the government required everyone to purchase health insurance, okay? Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court found a way to justify that. And so the idea that you own that you have auto insurance is <laughs> is uh, one of those ideas. Uh some countries like Switzerland have Switzerland have mandatory or compulsory military service to mm -hmm. to help the people, you know, we had a draft in America for a long time. So you see my point is that a well-regulated militia could, would have been understood and should have been understood in the, in the past 200 years as a, a, a continuous, made regular militia. Who were the people fighting the war between the states, the, quote, civil war? It was these militias from different Just people. states. These were, but these were the, right. the, the groups that end up getting pulled in before they started right. organizing even, and even who, more. Who owned most of the, the weapons, including ships and cannons, during the Revolutionary War? Yeah. Privateers. Private they, individuals. They were owned by groups and individuals. So, yes, individuals. And local municipalities. Right. Because yeah. you see people say, make the argument, well, you shouldn't have, you don't need a missile launcher. It's like, well, 
Maybe that's I up, do. That's, that's up for a, me to decide. It's a subjective argument. Right. Yeah. If you're if you live in Ukraine, you need a missile launcher. The irony is a lot of these anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment people make this insane argument that actually makes the the argument makes the opposite argument, but they'll say it things justifies like, the amendment. They'll say things like the government is way more powerful than you and your AR-15. They have nukes. They have fighter jets. They have exactly. That's like, a problem. Yeah, that's exactly the point of the Second Amendment that the government should never be so much more powerful than the people who the people are supposed to be the government. Who was the it right that, of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, infringed for that purpose for the to keep the people the people free. Infringed is an interesting word because uh, any incursion against right it now is an we don't have infringement we have decimation. Yeah, we have a destruction of the Second Amendment and the first and the first for sure and many who, others. Who was it that said that when? When the people are afraid of the government, you have tyranny. But when the government is afraid of the people, you have freedom. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't remember who said it. It might have been Jefferson. It might have been you could argue P.J. O'Rourke. I don't know. <laughs> you could argue that we're still free because the government appears to be very, very afraid of us. Well... Yes and no. I, I sort of. I've compared it like the ants in I've, the movie Ants. I've compared it to a box, life. right? We're in a box, and we can we have freedom as long as we don't try to get out of the box. Yeah, as an individual, but as a group, they are very scared of the pitchforks and the well, torches you, coming out. You, you saw the way they're framing January sixth, right? January sixth was rowdy. It was uh, January sixth was nothing. It it was nothing in, in in compared to some other things, but it got a little rowdy. But the only violence was government-instigated violence. Right. Okay? They are still trying to make you believe that police officers were beaten and killed that day. None were. The only violence occurred from when a police officer, in my opinion, unjustifiably shot a protester. But the point is that they got what they wanted out of it. And that was to create this narrative that the, the quote-unquote far right is a bunch of angry, armed, insurrectionist, domestic terrorists. And so now we need red flag laws. And we have people, literally political prisoners in, the, in Washington, D.C. jails Still right being now hel- held. who are being held unjustly. They're being held against the laws you know, with like speedy trials and... Uh, uh, What's the phrase? The um, due process. Well, there's yeah, there's no due process, and then cruel and unusual punishment is being. Yeah. And Julie Kelly is a journalist. I follow her on Twitter. She's been. She deserves. In another timeline, she'd be given a, a Pulitzer for the, her work on the January six prisoners. And she's doing great work there, and it's of course being ignored by the mainstream. The mainstream media, the mockingbird media, the State Department media loves this. This is them instigating this stuff. It's this. It's the same people. The CIA called it Project Mockingbird, right? Not that's not one, something they made up in the Church Committee. Okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> what are they calling? And that should it tell today? you something about how they operate. But the, uh, yeah. the, the fact that the old legacy media is losing so many viewers is encouraging. It's very encouraging. They're, they're 
methods of propaganda are less effective in a lot of ways. The problem is that the the total information dis- diffusion and the dumbing down of America has already set in. The people think less critically. They're zombified by their devices. And there is no way for us to really mount an effective resistance to this because you can't get enough of a mental uprising a coordinated one because right. they've been able to to effectively divide and conquer. So America is conquered because we're so divided. And and because we have no uh, we have no ability uh, to get a coherent message out simultaneously to all the all the good I mean, thinking you, people out there. <laughs> you look at the just a few weeks ago and for the last few years we've been told that you have to get a vaccine, right? You in in some cases people were compelled either by their employer doing the dirty work of the governments or the governments themselves depending on where you live now you have the same people okay trudeau is a good example up in canada he had very strict vaccine mandates to the point where very recently an unvaccinated canadian could not leave the country they could not leave they were prisoners in their own country now He's saying that bodily autonomy is a fundamental human right and should never be infringed upon. And they they say these things without any sense of irony or self-awareness. And it's like the people, and and the people just lap it up. Of course, some people are pointing out the irony in the double standard, but too many people are just like, yeah, it's my body and my choice. And there was a my body my choice protest. I don't remember where it was. And you <laughs> have to show your vaccine card oh, to, get, to into get into the protest. You have to show a compulsive medical evidence of compulsive medical treatment to get into a my body my choice event. That sums up to me the mental state of you know, Joe Schmo in America today. And that is a people ripe for destruction. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of disheartening. Look, I'm not even saying you need to be pro-life or pro-choice or whatever. Just un- recognize Just the way you're being manipulated. So over the weekend, I chatted with a friend who lives in um, the south end of Salt Lake County, so a little north of us. Um. Uh, the southwest side of of Utah County or of Salt Lake County. So where a lot of the new developments have been. Uh, yeah, let's say more towards uh, South Jordan Draper. I, well, I guess I, I'm not giving away his name, so let's just say South Jordan. Okay. Uh, anyway, I, you know, I grew up in that area of uh, Salt Lake Valley, and I can attest to the fact that that whole south. West End was empty. <laughs> I mean, it, it has gone through a massive amount of growth. There's a lot of land there and there's a lot of people filling in there. So now you've got lots of different high schools where you used to only have one. Uh, you've got tons and tons of shopping, tons of uh, it's a sprawl mixed, out there. mixed use areas, tons of high density housing. It's, it's sprawl, but there's a lot of apartment complexes, townhomes. There's a lot of people going in there. Right. Right. Anyway, uh, definitely when I was out growing up out there, it was 
ultra conservative, right? You you had the the conservative Utah Mormon Republican stock was mm-hmm. being brought up there. Well, anyway, this guy that I was talking to was telling me about his son in uh, going through a civics exercise in school, in the public schools there in South Jordan. And he said they wanted them to propose constitutional amendments to, to experiment with, you know, how, sure. what's the process by the, that we'd go through to get the constitution amended. And so the kids, because it was a hot issue lately, there was a lot of kids that wanted to do abortion. And how old are these kids? Like junior high, uh, high school? I don't know. I didn't ask. I'm imagining junior high, high school. Probably, yeah. I'm going to have to find out. Okay. I don't Continue. Remember. I would say that this, this kid must have been, th- this person's son must have been older because of what he proposed to okay. his class. But they wanted to do... Um, he he said it was odd that the that there were so many of the kids like ninety percent of them wanted to have an, a constitutional amendment to make abortion a right, and there were some of the kids opposed to that, and some of the kids also wanted to propose an amendment that you couldn't force people to be vaccinated, and the discussion came up. Well, why don't we just have an amendment that says? that we can't force people to submit, you know, to any medical procedure that affects their body that they don't want to have, right? So it would cover abortion and vaccinations. It would, it would be it would be a you can't force me to do anything medically that I don't want to do type of an amendment. Why don't we put that into the the constitution instead of an anti-abortion amendment? And the solution of the abortion kids which were in the majority was they were going to pass an amendment forcing vaccinations and allowing abortions. There were two separate amendments. Their, mm-hmm. their, their solution was to, to make abortion a right and uh, have an amendment that said you could force vaccinations. Yeah. I'm left speechless at that. Well, I'm not because that's what these kids are being taught. I mean, uh, uh, my, I have kids in high school and and they have not had a school year that was uninterrupted by covid i mean the last 3 school years have all been interrupted now the last one was only minor interruptions but i i feared when it happened they shut down school for a couple of days in this in the in uh some of the local districts and i i feared when they did that it was going to spiral out of control i actually wrote some letters but um and but your your letters must have had some effect because they were back at school but these kids um are being brought up to in very formative years when they're very first time especially you know you think high school kids it's the first time they're really thinking in any sort of like civics way like like that's a good thought exercise to you know and i remember in classes having you had to debate one side or the other, and and you you know sometimes you had to debate on the side that you didn't necessarily agree with, and those are good thought exercises. But they're being brought up to believe that that if you don't get vaccinated, you're a terrible, dangerous, killing 
murderous person. Well, there's a lot of money behind that idea. And let's let's define. Let's let's remember, language is important. When we say vaccinated, it's COVID vaccinated. There's a lot of other vaccines out there that you can get. We're jabbed up with when we're babies. Yeah, you can get, still get an exemption for that. You, your your for, parents for can, but the kid has no say. When, yeah, the kid when you're has 15 no say, minutes right? old, you can't say, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, parents can, can to a point, but it gets harder and harder the older your kid gets to continue to object to that stuff. You end up having to, because they manipulate people. If you, oh, you want to go to school. You want to go to public school. You got to get the shots. But yeah, you there can still, are, in Utah, at least you can still opt There out are opt, ways to opt out. They made it, they've made it very hard in certain places to opt out of the COVID shots. And, and just today, by the way, again, today's June 27th, there's a paper out published by Nature. You know, take it for what it's worth, but a once very credible, maybe still is, scientific journal, showing that uh, a study in France shows that myocarditis, pericarditis, whatever it's called, Super high incidences of that with the mRNA vaccines, especially in young men, which is not new, right? It confirms what people have been saying. And so they want to mandate these things that are harmful. Well, I also the, find uh, there's irony and, and, and sa- it makes me kind of sad, actually. This my body, my choice when it comes to abortion. Well, it's not your body, is it? It's another person that you help nurture and grow. Yeah, I, there was a quote that I saw over the weekend, I think attributed to Ronald Reagan, that was, he says, don't you find it funny that everybody that's in favor of abortion has already been born? Right. It's or the, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> isn't everyone that's in favor but already born? It's the old, uh, uh, nobody's an environmentalist until they have their own cabin in the woods. Hmm. Or everybody, once you get your cabin in the woods, then you become an environmentalist. Right. And then nobody else can have it's a cabin the, in the woods. Yeah. It's the NIMBY, right? Not in my backyard. Right. But it's true. Like we, I, I've seen some real vile things over the last few days uh, in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned. Like truly vile, demonic things. And I, I, I've said this before. I'll continue to say it. We're, we're living through a massive child sacrifice. And it's not new, right? It's been going on forever. I mean, I started doing a little bit of rudimentary homework on Moloch, like the (laughs) The Babylonian god. Yeah. And what did you offer to Moloch? Your children, your babies. And uh, I think that that energy and that that, uh, going back to you know, Stranger Things and uh, this SRA idea, like children are being sacrificed. And I, I think COVID lockdowns and school closures was, was an offshoot of that because it was, the, it was the young people of our societies that paid the, the price for that and, and the burden and are shouldering burdens that they shouldn't have to shoulder. And uh, I think abortion is... Uh, a vile practice. I think it's uh, a sacrifice. I think if it's a blood sacrifice, and I know everyone says there's, you know, there's always the argument for different exceptions. I mean, and those exceptions are incredibly, incredibly rare. You know, I'm talking about rape, incest, you know, the stuff you always hear about. It's incredibly rare. 
I think 98% of abortions are voluntary. They're decisions that people make. Yeah, there were some statistics uh, that I saw in one of the articles on KSL, the local communist rag, um, where they mentioned that like there were 3,000 abortions performed in Utah in the last year, and like 14 of them, only 14 would have been allowed under the current law. Yeah, I think um, in the United States, in the last year they have numbers for, there was almost 700,000 abortions. Mm. Um, Abortions have gone down over the last 20 years. I think they peaked in the mid-90s at at about 1.4 million a year. And they've gone down, and I've wondered why they go down. I think maybe there's better access to birth control. Maybe more people are, are using it. Um, but you, you can break down the demographics and it, it gets really depressing. Um, nearly 40% of all black pregnancies are aborted. If you believe the numbers I saw. You say 40%? 40. Uh, that's a lot. I'm stunned. Uh, 90, I per, 90, I think it's something like 90% of, uh, pregnancies where they test early for Down syndrome. Ninety percent of those positives are aborted, and that's not a ver- that's a that's a test that can give you false positives. But also, that's sad because those kids deserve to live too. You know, those kids can live mm-hmm. great lives. I've I've worked extensively with kids with those disabilities, Down syndrome, and other similar things, and they they have a lot to add to society too. So. It, it makes me sad to watch these people on, on Twitter, and I understand it's Twitter, but there's real demonic, devilish energy behind it, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. Which uh, I don't know if you did or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned Moloch. I, well, I was uh, looking at this while you were monologuing for a minute. <laughs> oh, you sly dog. You caught me monologuing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I said a Babylonian God, uh, Wikipedia paints him as a Canaanite God, which is not, I don't know if I've ever brought up the Canaanites. They, they end up being the whipping boy for a lot of things in the Bible, which the Bible was essentially revised, uh, material and new invented material, uh, to sort of justify why the Jews got their butts kicked and got destroyed in about 600 BC, which is historically accurately the right. time that, that the temple was, the first temple was destroyed and they got uh, taken into Babylonian captivity. I wonder if anybody took off, got yeah. out of the city, <laughs> and then maybe kept a record about interestingly, their travels. Interestingly, it coincides uh, very, very uh, closely with Lehi having left Jerusalem and Jeremiah uh, some some uh, other priests that might have gone north or whatever. Daniel, but, Daniel carried off into captivity. At that yeah, time. all that all that goes on. Well, uh, the Canaanites uh, are an interesting uh, people because when you read this in, this will help you guys in in gospel doctrine. <laughs> is it Old Testament year? It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that shows how much attention I've been paying. The uh, Old Testament is really interesting because, again, the Book of Mormon doesn't really have very much good to say about the Old Testament. In fact, 
it it uh, talks about it being uh, talks about the scriptures having been um, modified dramatically. Well, when we study this stuff, we don't do a very good job of putting it in historical context. We take the Bible at face value without that warning that it may not be translated correctly or and that many, many important things have been taken out. We also don't ever consider what might have been added in. What would have been the axes that the, the children of the exilic Jews would have wanted to grind what what would they want how would they want to change the narrative well basically what they did was the the old testament that we have is essentially a justification for the religion that they were practicing at the time of christ which when jesus came he basically told them their religion was apostate <laughs> okay right that's what he did he 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 um was famous for being a Sabbath breaker. He was talking about multiple gods. He, you know, and there, there, there had, by the way, there was a bunch of revision that had to occur at the time of Nicaea post Christ to try and bring this back into line, bring, bring early Christianity back into line with what the Judaizing Christians wanted it to be. A lot of, a lot of people blame the apostasy after Christ on Greek philosophers, Greek philosophy having crept into Christianity, but no, it was the Judaizing Christians, the ones that wanted to bring back monotheism. If you're Mormon out there, you've got to realize you're a polytheist. You believe in multiple gods. I know that there are a lot of people that will argue that. We just have one sovereign God or whatever. We believe in the hosts of heaven. We believe in a mother in heaven. We believe in a son, a father, a plurality of gods. That's called polytheism. Poly meaning many, mono meaning one, okay? <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but that's just what we believe. Do we live in? Do we believe in polygamy? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> the uh, maybe one for another day. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to cut this short because I could go on and 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 on for hours on this subject. <clears throat> but how how the Bible has been changed, or what what the early Hebrew religion might have looked at looked like. A really good scholar on this subject is. Margaret Barker, a Methodist scholar from England. She's written several books about the subject. One is the Older Testament, which is about the book of Enoch, which was scripture that was never included in the Old Testament, but is older than the Old Testament and describes the early Hebrew religion, the one that Moses would have set up, the one that Abraham would have been involved in as it came out of Egypt. And then uh, she wrote a, a shorter book called The Lost Prophet, which... If, if you're looking for a book to read first, buy The Lost Prophet, and it'll teach you a little bit more about it in a shorter format. Hugh Nibley's book, Enoch the Prophet, is also a good collection of essays. Um, in fact, it was so important that most of that book was included in the Ensign in the 70s. Uh, Spencer Kimball had them printed. It's called, the, the excerpts were called, okay, I got to reverse that. It was, Hugh Nibley didn't write the book as a book. He wrote... Uh, uh, a lengthy set of inclusions for the ensign called A Strange Thing in the Land, and that ended up in the ensign, and they later put it in a book. That's how most of Unibli's writings 
uh, ended up in books. He was such a prolific teacher, and his his writings were so impactful on people that his students later came back, compiled them, and put them into these categorically arranged books. And that's where Hugh Nibley's collected works ends up on the scene. And it's a stack of books, what, three feet high or something like that. It's really important. Anyway. um, Harder and harder to get. Harder and harder to get. Okay, so how does this relate to Moloch, Moloch, you ask, and the Kanaanites? <laughs> well, here, according to Wikipedia, Moloch is a Kanaanite god, and they have some depictions of Moloch as a Kanaanite god. He has a bull's head, and he is uh, considered one of these guys that they were sacrificing children to. And this is, this is important. Uh, is also related to the uh, Greek myth of the Minotaur. Well, when you go to Gospel Doctrine, everybody says it's spelled spelled K-A-N-A-A-N-I-T-E. Kana-anite. Kana-anite. You see that? How I'm saying it as it should be said phonetically, as, as it's spelled. We say it Canaanite. There's two A's, mm-hmm. Kanaanite. We always say Canaanite, and we associate it with who? Cain. Because right. why? Because they were evil. Why are they evil? Because the, the Jews that wrote the Old Testament said they were evil. The Canaanites historically are associated with, or really are the Phoenicians. These are the people, they're the Samaritans, they're the Carthaginians. These are the 12, these are the... After Solomon's boys had their little feud, these are the 10 tribes, guys, okay? When you look at Kanaanite, Wikipedia says it's a group of ancient Semitic religions practiced by the Kanaanites living in the ancient Levant, which is the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. (laughs) And if you look at maps of how Israel divided up the Holy Land when they when they got out of Egypt you had the Jews in the south which is where Jerusalem is and then and then the tr- other tribes went north they also traded in the region and went over and uh settled the north coast of Africa these these are the guys that ended up fighting the Punic Wars with Rome okay watch uh gladiator okay yes these are the Canaanites guys you need to understand who the Canaanites are because they had a lot of Egypt in their religion, and they kept up the older traditions that changed after the Solomonic Temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC. We don't have a lot of good records about the period, but Margaret Barker does a great history detective work and, and sets it all up. Anyway, the reason Moloch has a bull's head is because the great father in um, Egypt, Amun, is often depicted as a bull. He was depicted as a bull during the... Uh, the age of Taurus, the astronomical age of Taurus, that'd be roughly 4,000 to 2,000 BC. Uh, we have in our Mormon scripture, here's the link on, on facsimile number two, the hypocephalus upside down. You have a cow with uh, the four sons of Horus underneath it, uh, which it lists as idolatrous gods, I believe. But, uh, or does it have the, I think it has the, the sons to the side of the cow. Anyway, she's upside down. This is the great cow, the mother of heaven, Hathor depicted on the hypocephalus. She's depicted as a cow, and that's why we have, uh, surviving in our day and age, the term holy cow, (laughs) 
sacred cow. Holy cow. In India, they're still sacred because of the age of Taurus when we associated the great woman with a, a cow because this constellation Taurus, the bull, came up behind the sun on the vernal equinox, the spring equinox, and so therefore that constellation was associated with the sun the sun is associated with the celestial kingdom, the highest level, the place where the gods dwell. Okay, do you see how this link would... This is not so hard to piece together unless you're a, a very orthodox, very rigid Protestant, you know, Bruce R. McConkie type of a person that only believes what's in the book Mormon Doctrine. This is, is a very important historical perspective. Holy cow, it's the fire department. <laughs> So anyway, if you look up, I'll, I'll put a link to the Wikipedia article on Moloch, and of course, know that we're just putting Wikipedia links for convenience. But uh, he has a bull's head because what, what probably happened was, just like Q Nibley says, there's cycles of bright restorations and then apostasies, restoration, apostasy, restoration, apostasy. This has been going on throughout the history of the world. And at some point, uh, the Canaanites or portions of the Canaanites were probably sacrificing children to uh, a god they had called Moloch, which was modeled after Amun, the father. And of course, that's perverted. But, well, the, but the manner in which they sacrificed their children was burnings. And um, we believe, according to Joseph Smith, that the gods dwell in everlasting burnings. I've linked to that. We talked about it. Uh, I think we quoted that on... Um, one of our recent episodes, we may have quoted it. Anyway, it's in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, section six. It's in the King Follett Discourse. Uh, it is, by definition, what a seraphim is. A seraph is a fiery one or a fiery flying being or a fiery flying serpent. And so the idea is that you can see how the religion would have gotten out of hand. They believed their gods dwelt in fire or were associated with the sun, and they wanted to have their children ascend or they wanted the society to ascend, so they would send someone to God by burning them. So that's a, <clears throat> there's the end of the lengthy explanation, but that's where the Moloch thing enters. And because the Jews hated their brothers, the ten tribes, everything they were doing was evil. And, and so maybe they were sacrificing but it wasn't actually sacrificing their children, and the Jews accused them of that. Maybe, but I, I'm, I think that history shows that there were actual child sacrifices going right. on. So there was clearly uh, places where it got out of hand. But there's probably pl plenty of Canaanites who were not out of hand. In fact, if you remember, uh, the Samaritans accepted the message of Jesus. This is in the Gospel of John, the woman at the well. They accepted the message without really much of a fight. Right in Samaria, there, and th that's because they had apostatized less than the Jews had, the less less rigidly, less strongly than the Jews. The Jews had gone nuts; they'd really gotten a tight orthodoxy that was antithetical to the old religion. So Jesus had an easier time talking to the woman at the well and her and her people. Anyway, Moloch got me off on that subject. The great takeaway from this is now you know how to pronounce Kanaanite, <laughs> and you can impress everybody at Gospel Doctrine Or, or class. confuse them. Or and, confuse them. And probably be corrected by the teacher. 
if that the, happens, please comment. I have a little <laughs> pet peeve when people like read verses out of the New Testament and the word S-H-E-W is there and they say shoe. It's pronounced show. I didn't know that. That's and old the, English. And the way I was taught was that if you take the S out, what does the word say? S-E-W. How do you pronounce that word? So. So. So show. Show. And it's always in the context is just show. Yeah, it's a show word. Yeah. But everyone's, and I get it. And, I, you know, I, people are just reading it how it looks. But Well, now you've learned two important pronunciation tips. One from the great <laughs> pronunciator himself, Mr. <laughs> Bobby Flood. And if I'm wrong, then you can correct me in the comments. But if I was taught I'm that wrong, by, I was taught that at. If I'm at, wrong, and I am never wrong. I was taught that pronunciation at the BYU by a New Testament instructor. Okay. Which I don't remember her name, but I like, she was a good teacher. Cool. But. Something good came uh, out of the BYU. You brought though. up something important, and that is inversion and perversion. And I think what we see in almost everything is, is a a perversion of true principles and in true God, true gospel. And the God, the father sent Jesus Christ as a sacrifice to make sacrifices. Now he did it willingly and uh, there's a lot to it, but I think a perversion of that is uh, human, human sacrifice. I mean, that's why Abraham and Isaac is such a compelling story because Abraham knew full well being once tied to an altar himself the, the evil behind it. And I think today, in today's day and age, the modern version of that is uh, you know, carried out in different ways. Um, I think abortion is one of those. And it's like, even just saying that is, is extremist. I would probably, I'm probably red flagging myself right now. But a society, like we've been told over the last few days that a society that does not kill their young is not a society based on liberty and freedom. And that's a huge perversion. A red flag, if uh, you will. <laughs> it, it is. It I'd is. Like to, you, somebody, somebody out there is calling in a red flag to heaven right now. <laughs> hey, right. Uh, hey, these guys. Uh... And I, I, think, uh, I think the overturning of Roe v. Wade is not going to change a lot. Um, you might have a few fewer abortions in states like Oklahoma or Utah, but I think where the majority of these things occur, it's going to continue. Then you have these sanctuary, these abortion sanctuary states like California and New York. You have employers saying they will pay their employees to go get abortions, which of course they will, because that's a lot cheaper than maternity leave and insurance, of you know, insuring a family. But the, uh, you know, Mormons and also Christians in general for a long time said that the family's being wrecked and destroyed, and we've often gotten mocked for such things, saying such things, but the family is being wrecked and destroyed. They've effectively destroyed fathers, and now they're moved on to mothers and to parenthood in general. And it's a, it's a diabolical thing to, to witness. But luckily, and I think the majority of Americans value marriage and family, even if fewer people are having kids and getting married, it's still... Well, it's, it's very it's, natural. It's still the fundamental uh, unit of society. Mm -hmm. There's certain things, you know, like, like the, the proclamation on the family 
stands the test of time. I mean, it's a good document. There's still such a thing as love too, right? Like between one man and one woman that that they would want to be together long term. Yeah, there's some irony and some of these protesters are out there saying they're going to go on a sex strike. And I I think, (laughs) like, it's like, so you're going to practice abstinence? Abstinence? I thought that was a bad word. (laughs) Weird. Weirdos. Well, yeah. uh, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, pray for discernment. I think right now is an important time to to have some of that in our lives and to know the good from the evil and the right from the wrong, Uh, because it's better for us to know the difference. And the lies from the the reality that I think that's a big part of the discernment is to know have that sense that something's wrong, that something's in a in a world of lies, right? And right. And, and that becomes uh, really daunting because really dark because there are so many lies out there. It's like, well, what is real? It makes you really, I think, take a moment discouraged. I think a lot of times when we we have that little inclination in our minds or hearts or whatever, that something's not right, we immediately just fall back to whatever our safety spot is, which may or may not actually help you discern truth from error. Take a step back and listen to those promptings that you're getting. Figure them out. I think there's a lot of value in introspection and pondering and ponderizing. Ponderizing too, yes. I paid for one right of use for that word. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, uh, figure it out, you know, wrestle things in your, in your, in your heart and mind and, and, and figure out what those voices and those promptings and things are trying to tell you. Like, I don't know what they're trying to tell you. I'm still figuring out what they're trying to tell me, but, (laughs) but, uh, and I think hold, just hold on tight. Yeah, I I wonder uh, if this, because what comes to my mind as I'm ponderizing the issue is who, why, and why now? Always. Right? Who, why, and why now? They've been talking about this for a long time. Is it is it really because they finally got enough conservative justices, quote-unquote, quote-unquote conservative justices? I mean, it was right. six to three, right? Roberts voted with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said Roe was bad. Roe v. Wade was bad law. A guy named Joe Biden in like 1983 um, proposed a Senate amendment or an amendment or a bill to uh, uh, kick, abort abort kick, abort kick the Roe, Roe v. Wade, Wade back to the states. Yeah, I don't know whatever yeah. became of him, but uh, I'm sure he still feels strongly that it should be a, a states issue. Yeah. This what's his name again? Joe Biden. Oh. Former Never senator from Delaware. I Never think. heard of him. Um anyway, this uh the idea occurs to me because, you know, this this could have happened sooner. Is is it is it intended to inflame the country or is it intended to divide the country further in a in a state versus state type of a situation? Are we being balkanized as we speak? There's, Again, balkanization being the process of breaking up a once great country that, w- when acting in a unified manner, had great power in the world. We're destroying that unity so that this this country cannot act in a unified manner, and uh, so that the various 
states can be further degraded as 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 they're separated even more, right? So you let the liberal states burn, you let the then then they can deal with um destroying the the places where the conservatives or the or the more liberty oriented people are are living that those can be focused on. I was I was going to mention earlier that I think that if you look at this carefully, the situation carefully, you can see that where the money is is where the propaganda is. The money buys the money buys the minds of the people. Mm-hmm. And in any city, the big the biggest buildings are the banks and the hospitals. These are all places we know are fully corrupted, right? Mm-hmm. We, I was in a hospital recently. It's like there's so much money involved, and you walk in and there's so much control, mind control, right, and physical control. You know, you can't if you're a doctor, you're gonna do what that that institutional apparatus wants you to do in that edifice. Okay, it, things don't happen by accident there. Uh, but what where what are some of the other big buildings? The public schools. Yeah, there's so much money there, and that's. Uh, in what's indoctrinating our youth. And so as the money moves out of the liberal states, I mean, they're still going to have their money, but where's all the growth going on? Where's all that new money getting going to get focused? It's going to get focused on the state apparatuses that uh, sort of have freedom and it's going to corrupt them. And it's, and it's not just the money that corrupts them. It's the people that control the money. That's we, uh, what I'm trying to say. Because money in and of itself is just a medium of exchange. But here in Utah, for example, we're, we're, we want to be California too. We want to have lots of people and lots of money. In fact, come to come here to Utah and we'll take your money and we'll use it against you and your children and your children's children for the next 50 years. Last week, we, we, we talked about Utah quite a bit and we kind of wondered what, why Utah, what's going on here. And then like uh, right on cue, there was a article in the KSL, the local communist rag. Right. And I saw that article. It was on defense. You sent it to me. The defense yeah, Spencer Cox was lauding all of the defense spending here in the state of Utah with big, big time defense contractors like Raytheon and uh, Lockheed Martin. Halliburton. Halliburton. Do those they have a ty- big presence and, and they, I know Lockheed they, and Raytheon do. They, um, it's a big chunk of the of the Utah GDP is tied up in this, and a lot of tax money is tied well, up. We in We bend these over companies. to try to get this the uh, absolutely NSA, um, what are we, the Utah data center? data center they call it. It's the NSA, yeah. It's the a, Utah they call it the Utah data center. I believe so. It's the NSA data center. It's the NSA think? spy house. Well, yeah, it's it where they house all of our data. They're steal, are literally they're stealing our this water, conversation. They're stealing our water, our energy. And it didn't yeah. create any jobs. No, hardly at all. Imported people. Well, there's no, a that, big. There's not, it doesn't take very many people to run it. It's there's like, a big data it's like center. Skynet. Yeah, it's mostly automated. There's a guy like Edward Snowden sitting down there with a Rubik's cube. Like who? Edward Snowden. Oh, that's yeah. kind of the job he's he had. A, he's got a Rubik's cube. He's down there in the basement. Uh, there's a huge data center for Facebook out there in the desert, uh, west of Saratoga Springs. Really? And it's another type of like data warehouse i didn't know about that when was that built uh maybe within the last five or ten years there's there's not a lot of water out there either but somehow they're those communities are growing out there where they probably shouldn't be because there's not a lot of water 
it's kind of unpleasant out there as far as like a place to live. They but have a really nice view of the mountains. If you've been on the other side of the lake. They do. But this is on the other side of the other side. It's like clear out there. Oh, yeah. That side is They're going to swallow up Cedar Fort soon. You know where that yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. On the if way I, to five If I was pass. an old timer in Cedar Fort, I'd be a little bit concerned because they've been out in the boonies separated from, from the Wasatch Front sprawl for decades, forever. Yeah. They're about to get swallowed up. Uh, the Last American Vagabond, which you, rec- which you uh, mentioned earlier, has an article which I didn't read yet. It must be good. But what you were saying about Roe v. Wade made me think of it, of the headline, and it said basically the headline was, you're being played with Roe v. Wade. And so I'm, I'm curious to that go rhymes. and read that. Yeah. So uh, you, I think that, yeah, who, why, and why now is really important with the overturning of this. And, of course, you know, uh, the leak. Remember, it was leaked, so it's not a surprise, and they promised a thorough investigation. Well, who, who's the leaker? Oh, yeah, that's gone now. That's who, just, nobody cares who the leaker was. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good, good point. It was leaked. Yeah. Nothing happens by accident, according to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, things of this scale are not accidental. I don't think there's ever a leak. The, the leftists, the statist left in media, in old media, surely puts on a good show. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're, I think they're controlled, mind-controlled parts of the, the, of the play, of the play act, the, all the world's a stage, you know, the, the drama unfolding around yeah. us. Did you see Jim Acosta's uh, Ukrainian fighter pilots? Ah, I saw a headline or something. What was that all about? Well, apparently he had a couple of Ukrainian fighter pilots to, on his show, and they wore masks to protect their identity and to also hide the fact that they're Brad and Jim from Des Moines or whatever, but they, were, they had code names of Moonfish and Juice because <laughs> so Goose, and, Goose and Maverick were already taken. <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking at this going, okay, let's... They're supposed to be in this fight for their lives, and they got time to send a couple guys over to do the American media circuit to literally to beg for more money. They already got what? How many billions of dollars? Like a lot. Apparently, we're running out of munitions. Yeah. And then Biden said we need more money for the next pandemic. He let that slip. Well, anyway, these these actors in media or actors and actresses, they seem. I, I think they have to be bought into the ideology. I don't, I don't think they understand. Or they're just mind-controlled. Well, yeah, they just like, well, well, you have to propagandize your mid-level managers and, and your commandants the most, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like the governors, right? Cox is, is all bought in. He's propagandized. He uses the right terminologies. He's got his pronouns. Right, and he attends all the right conferences and the right weekly meetings. Yeah, and a lot of these people get, get his talking. I don't think you have to work too hard on them because orders. they want to be in the club. They want to feel important, and they they're all power hungry, and, and they're and, paid a lot of money. Yeah, and so it's like, yeah, I'll I'll do whatever you tell me to do, and then you get bought in. You always you, you, they always end up buying in and believing, and the ones that don't are either. Uh, ran out or suicided or, you know, dismissed like a Ron Paul as a crazy person. Right. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of thinking of all these moving parts and how, how would a, 
the oligarchy, the deep state, or whoever you want, the, the main moving actors behind the scenes, I guess I shouldn't call them actors. They're, they're the main moving perpetrators, mm-hmm. actor in that sense, how they would work that system to their advantage. Like, we're going to leak Roe v. Wade here because we know that in four weeks or in one year, it's going to have this sort of an effect. Right. Well, yeah, I guess we'll see. I I mean, I don't know how it's all going to play out. And then we'll make sure to pass the gun bill on the same day. Right. That they're going to release it. Right. The gun bill got no press. Zero press. No, I mean, the Roe v. Wade overturning absolutely has dominated, it's still dominating the news cycle. It, It, went right through the weekend and here into the new week but they're not getting their violent upheaval no i don't think it's i don't think it's i think most people are either indifferent about it or grateful that it got overturned that there will be some places in the country where it's a little bit more difficult to kill your unborn child so it gave them something to talk about to distract from the all the flaws in the gun arguments probably that and I don't know what else. I Who really knows think, what, what is occurring that we were too distracted from? Yeah, I'm, I'm only circling back on this because I think that red flag thing is so significant. And there, oh, and there was another part of the law passed that they, they can potentially um, lump every gun seller in as an FFL. If, they're, if, if we're not careful, you could get um, classified as a, as a federal fire, uh, somebody that should have a federal firearms license just because you sell one gun or more than one gun or something like that, which a lot of people think might be a roadmap to a de facto registry, mm-hmm. forcing everyone to have to go through a, a background check or so they can track every, every transfer of firearms. Like if you're, if you're the controllers, do you care about them aborting the babies? Yeah. Okay. So you want to do the sacrifices to your Molech or whatever. Yeah, but they don't really care. But, but that's not such a big deal. What they're, ultra focused on the thing they always want the thing they they never will relent on is how to get more control over you Mm -hmm. how to get more effective more granular high resolution control over the society that's what they're going to push on and they're going if you're flying a pride flag a ukrainian flag a black lives matter flag a trans flag a my body my choice flag you're under their control (laughs) I've seen I've seen people I've seen homes in our community with all those flags. Oh yeah, or blended into one flag. Or <laughs> it's like they're, they're they're controlling us not just through. I think we often think about of tyranny as like a, a jackboot on your neck. Well, yeah, but they're they're mind controlling us like in a massive formation. Would you call it a mass formation? Psychosis. Psychosis. <laughs> yeah. And it's very powerful, and you've, we've got to break free of that. Because once you break free of that, that's the first step, right? In understanding and seeing and recognizing this stuff for what it is, recognizing the, mani- the manipulation, and then you can better decide what your next steps are. Right. Well, yeah, I, anyway, just thinking about what, what's ahead, it, it, gets, it gets pretty foggy, it gets pretty you know, speculative, but 
it sure looks like we're right there in the thick of a of a massive deception right now, you know, massive distraction. I thought that when when we saw those Black Lives Riots matters, Black Lives Riots matters. <laughs> when we saw those black riots, when we saw when we saw the when Black we saw Lives the Matter BLM riots, when we saw the riots, when when we saw the riots matters groups out in 2020, I thought that they were going to try to destabilize the society in a Maidan style revolution. Remember, the mm-hmm. Maidan revolution was the Ukrainian 2014 revolution. Mm-hmm. Again, check out Oliver Stone's Ukraine on Fire for more information on that. But we've seen these quote color revolutions, and it's like everybody that's gone through it, all the bystanders watching it have said, we don't know why, but all of a sudden the society got lit up red hot and then the government changed and all these things changed. And then the Clinton crime syndicate was in charge of our country or <laughs> right. which is kind of what it looks like has already happened in America. Right. But we don't know why, but then, then things dramatically changed. And, and so it looked like that was what was going to happen towards the end of 2020. And I thought that, uh, Trump would have been reelected, and then that would have been the catalyst for further societal disintegration, further rioting. That people just couldn't stand it. But as as we talked about earlier in the podcast, it looks like um, the people are willing to suffer these abuses for a long. I mean, our 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 modern people are are really willing to suffer a lot of abuses borrowing the language from the Declaration of Independence. Are these abuses really sufferable? Yeah, I guess they are, right up until um, they take your food and they take your guns. And then the abuses are no longer sufferable, and the, it appears that their object is to reduce you under absolute despotism. Again, borrowing the language from the Declaration. What What is that line in the sand? Are we approaching that with these... I just have a lot of questions in my head because we've been hearing a lot about food shortages and and then you've got this looming dark, mysterious potential for, for gun confiscation coming. I mean... Well, I've got good news. How soon, Bobby Flood? Give me the date. I've got good news right now. Okay. Uh, as far as any dates, I don't know, but I've got good news right now and that is that Q is back. <laughs> That's right. You he, sent me a screenshot of that. He's uh, whatever Q is is uh, he's posting again. Well, trust the plan. And it's like they're, they're pulling out all the stops, all the uh, all the manipulation, all the psyops. They're 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 firing them back up. And there will no doubt be people who are like, it's all part of the plan. They'll jump right back in to to all trust the plan, trust the plan. No, don't trust the plan. There's no plan. Trust yourselves, trust in God. Yeah, what, what can we do? Well, definitely you can't save this on a national level. This is like a baby being born without the abortion possibility. You're going to have the baby. The, the birth pains are real. It's going to happen. And we can't get unpregnant. We're going to have to... The question is, what does the baby look like? Right. Is it a healthy baby? Or is this a is this bad news? This is a spawn of the devil. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I don't know. I guess I've exhausted myself here. What uh, what are we going to call this episode? Uh, probably Mockingbird. We're probably not going to call it Good News. Yeah. 
we didn't really talk about a lot of good news. Good news. Good news. Well, keep singing. Red Vine, <clears throat> thanks you. Yeah. Yeah. She posted a while <clears throat> back, by the way. I noticed that. Well, anyway, guys, thank we're you for your comments. We'll wrap by the way. it up. Yeah, we love your comments on the website. Um, we need more of them. We want fe- want your feedback. We want to know what you guys want us to talk about, and uh, tell us in the comments too what you think is going to happen. Um, I mean, speculation and predictions and stuff is a lot of fun too. It's but good. It's, clean I think fun. it's I think it's important right about now too to kind of figure out what's going on and how to how to prepare for it, but. I think uh, I think we're done. Okay. Well, until next time, I will uh, continue to binge watch Stranger Things as I po- as quickly as I possibly can. And then uh, this is your spoiler alert warning. We probably will bring up some spoilers. Yeah, we'll have to do Stranger Things episode, I guess. Uh, yeah, we'll do a, a first four seasons deep dive and eventually we'll have to add tack on i think there's one more season after this eventually i don't know i think so hmm but i don't know okay well i'm gonna so far i'm i'm in a mind pretzel over this stranger things thing but there's something to it all right until next time we are the mind virus podcast signing off